What's up? What's up? What's up? We're back on the Yolk Christian podcast today. We're going over Hebrews chapter four. I'm with my main squeeze. What does that mean, Codus Rollins? Um, what's up, dude? What's up, my my side squeeze? squeeze? You're not my side <laughs> Wait, squeeze. Side squeeze. <laughs> Where's um, the Ecclesiastes chapters at? Luke is the main squeeze. Everybody. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Man, today's been a, a, a heck of a day. But tell me about the. It has, but tell me about you, man. How? Tell me but, how oh, your walk with God's. What, what you I didn't even you? tell you this. Okay. So my psychology teacher, you know, did, did I tell you about this? Uh, keep going. So anyway, yesterday, so probably not. Then yesterday, we talked about God. Ooh. So he was like, "Curtis, what are you doing after high school?" And I was like, "Well, I'm going into ministry, actually." And then he kind of started talking and everything, and he was like, and I talked about my pod, the podcast and everything, like what we do and all the listeners we have and everything. And I talked about how I'm actually preaching at youth group and stuff. I'm preaching on the podcast, on TikTok and all these cool things. And then he kind of talked about how, like, got to be careful because a lot of Christians, you know, they do this or that and they hate people. I'm like, yeah, see, that a lot of people do that. But my Bible actually tells me that I'm supposed <laughs> to love everybody. My like, Bible. Dude. I completely went off. Like, it was completely spirit-led. But I was telling you, and I was like, Jesus tells me this, so this is why I treat people like this. Like, my best – like, my, my, my friends, for example, they do stuff I don't support, but I still love them. And I kind of went on this whole long Holy yes, Spirit sir. spiel. Yes, and it was sir. awesome. He was like, hmm, that's really interesting. And I was like, yeah, it was. <laughs> and then today, <laughs> everybody, I'm, I'm plugging. Luke Bauer's song has came out today. Heavenly song good. came out today. Yes, heavenly Bless good. Up. It is on Spotify. It is on iTunes. That's it. But go check it out. And so anyway, uh, with that. Uh, I think it's today, on Amazon Music too. Heck, that's even awesome. That's yeah. even awesome. That's even yeah. awesomer. Whatever. Dude, I, I added it to a playlist, and I've been playing it nonstop. All day oh, today. I have I've got too. Like, I've got like five songs in the playlist, and it's just on repeat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's in my uh, Come to Jesus. So I have a playlist called Come, to G- Come Back to Jesus, and Love it's that. like the songs that I need to hear when I'm like – Drifting away and it just brings me back. But anyway, mm-hmm. Luke's song. So I, I we, we were in study hall. There was like a bunch of kids in there, and mm-hmm. I was like, "Hey, yeah," because uh, my English teacher. And I was like, "Oh, we should play my friend's new song." And so they all heard worship music today. Hmm. They all heard Luke's song. That's pre- what, what, did they say anything, or they're just like, "All right, what's the like, next?" Oh, song? that's pretty cool. Hmm. That's cool. But yeah, they all she played it out loud for everybody. That's yeah, so cool. it's my buddy Luke. Yeah, Christian artist, you guys should follow him. Anyway, <laughs> and but, just to clarify for the listeners, you don't go to a Christian school or anything. No. You go to a public school. It's very not Christian. There's like three Christians, I believe. That's it's awesome. bad. That's awesome. Look at you reaching the nations. Hey man, I, I I love talking about Jesus. I'll do it all day long. I don't care. Yes, sir. Keep it going, bro. Um. Well, that's a God story right there. Yeah. So that yeah. works out. That tells me what how God's working you. Oh, another cool celebration. Tell uh, me. The podcast, everybody, has reached 37 countries. That's true. Yeah, yeah. making us yeah. all nations. So everybody that listens, thank you yeah. so much. Absolutely. We love every single one of you. You guys are amazing. So keep doing what you guys are doing, and we'll keep doing what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, now, Jared, tell me about you, man. Uh, It's been a day. Um, has it? It has been. I don't. I don't necessarily know if details or something that need to be shared, but it's All been right, a day. That's fine. That's fine, um, man. But you know, it's. Uh, I. I had. I had to remind myself of God's word. <laughs> um, okay. I had to remind myself that all bad things come. Like, who are we to say like something is bad? 
first off, mm-hmm. like first of all, and secondly, if something bad happens, it can be used for good. And so yeah. it's it's not like from the human perspective something bad, right? But from God's perspective, all things work together for His good. So um, yeah. it was just uh, interesting that I made a video about it. Just kind of like after I reminded myself that I was like, okay, I need to make a video about it so it sticks in my head better. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that's just how it works. But um, you know, it's it's very interesting because I had a conversation with somebody yesterday, like, bro, I I think God did this to me for a reason, and it was uh, basically a thorn in the side kind of situation, and uh, and then some stuff happened today where I was like, oh, okay, all right, God, thank you. And so God was just kind of showing me that and um, had an int- uh, interesting conversation with somebody, somebody else um, about, it's actually very timely um, because they believe that Jesus is not God. And so uh, at least when God's spirit has left Jesus. And so anyways, it's a very complicated conversation, which it's very in-depth and it's been a very uh, good conversation. Um, one that's full of respect on both sides, but um, it was very timely, I say, because we're going over chapter uh, Hebrews chapter 4 and Hebrews chapter 5, to which this person actually has not used this as, quote-unquote, evidence for their claim. Um, but well, if you, we're going to light the fire, I guess, today. Right, and so when we read these two chapters, for a warning, if you read these chapters in and of themselves, it does look like it is supporting their claim. Um, but of course, Codus and I, you and I believe that Jesus is God. And when we look at the mm-hmm. whole entirety of Hebrews, um, it does support the claim that Jesus is God. And so just to kind of, uh, I guess I'm just going to jump into it. Um, just to kind of give you an outline of Hebrews or why Hebrews is written. So just keep in mind that if you didn't listen to Hebrews chapter one podcast, we told you like who the audience is, the intended audience. I'm going to go through it again with you. So essentially, uh, the author of Hebrews, we don't necessarily know the author. Um, there's a lot of ideas. I personally think it's Priscilla. Um, doesn't really matter. Um, so the author of Hebrews is writing to second-generation Christians, but specifically mm-hmm. the ones who are descendants of uh, Jewish to Christian converts. So, but more specifically, it is the second-generation Jewish to Christian converts um, that are thinking about leaving the faith and going back to Judaism. So when we read Hebrews, I'm going to go back through and I'm going to read chapter, something in chapter one for you. Okay. So it says in Hebrews chapter one, uh, verse eight, it says, but to the son, he says, this is the father speaking, God, the father speaking, he says, but to the son, he says, your throne, O God endures forever and ever. So the father speaking to Jesus calls him God. So we know that according to the author of Hebrews, that Jesus is God. And there's a couple more situations similar to that where God refers to Jesus as God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but the author of Hebrews is going to make a distinction here in a minute. So for the first few chapters, um, everything is referencing as if Jesus is God, which is, of course, correct. But because the intended audience is Jewish, uh, or sorry, people, Christians that are thinking about returning back to Judaism, um, pause hold that thought so Codus, what is the um what's the most important aspect of christianity oh i i mean if like, someone a, a relationship okay i think, with I think that's a big thing with who with oh with god okay which of the trinity specifically though with jesus with jesus right because it says that uh oh, to get to the father you have to get through me Exactly. So when we say that we're supposed to have faith, when we say that we believe, it is belief in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And when we look at Romans chapter 10, it says, uh, if you profess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus died and resurrected, then you'll be saved. 
And so there's plenty of, um, and even look at John 3.16, all who believe in him referring to Jesus. So we are saved when we believe that is truly believe in Jesus Christ. And so when uh, 1 John chapter 3, it states that our actions show that we belong to the truth. And so what that means is, and then also in James chapter 2, faith uh, has a byproduct of work or mm-hmm. of works. And so what that means is, is when we have true faith, we will have true good works that follow. And mm-hmm. so when we truly believe in Jesus, our actions will show it. Right. And so anyways, I say all that to say this, the people of the, the uh, original, <laughs> I say that all the time. I say that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, with that being said, but the, uh, with the author of Hebrews, their intended audience. Okay. So uh-huh. because they are thinking about leaving Christianity, which their Christianity's main focus is Jesus Christ. And they were thinking about leaving that and returning back to Judaism. So essentially, because Judaism is the same God, the Father, right? But mm-hmm. Codus, like you said, the only way to get to the Father is through Jesus. Jesus yeah. said that. And we'll actually talk about that more in, here in a minute. Um, so essentially what these individuals are doing is they are abandoning the idea of Jesus. So why would they be abandoning the idea of Jesus? Well, they're, I, I, they're abandoning Jesus because one of uh, a few things, one being that they do not think he is God. Mm-hmm. So the author of Hebrews has to prove to them that Jesus is God and then also prove to them how Jesus covered their sins. And mm-hmm. how, does, how does Jesus cover our sins? Well, he has to be human. And so as Hebrews yeah. says, I think it's chapter two, it says that uh, Jesus lowered himself below the angel. So he lowered himself in rank. To, uh, to humanity, right? Because Jesus, Codus, I think we say it on this podcast uh, at least a couple of times, Jesus is 100% man and 100% God. Mm-hmm. And so when we look at that and say mathematically, that is absolutely impossible. But, but with God, all things are possible, right? Yeah. Acor- according to John chapter 10, I believe. Um, it might not be John chapter 10. It's somewhere. All things are possible with God. And so, uh, whew, okay, so my mind just went through it. I had to like lay that out there so that it makes sense. So in the first few chapters of Hebrews, the author is laid out that Jesus is God. Now for the next few chapters, this is four and five that we're speaking of. um, The author is showing the humanity of God. And so when we read this, it's going to sound as if Jesus isn't God. But when we look at the whole context of Hebrews, it's showing that Jesus is 100% human so that he can cover the, the sacrifice of our sins. We'll get into that in the next chapter. And then it's also showing that Jesus is God, as we've previously discussed, so that because only God is perfect enough to cover our sins. And so yeah. it's, it's very interesting because it's only uh, the only way that it's possible that Jesus saves us is if he's both man and God. And so... Whew, now that I got that out of the way, now, <laughs> now that we have some, some understanding, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to repeat that word for word like, as well as I just did in the next episode. Um, so we might just have to like, be like, hey, before you watch this episode, you cannot yes. watch it until you watch the, next, uh, the previous one. Um, or we might just have to combine them. I don't Honestly, know, I don't... I'd be okay with combining them. Okay, we might need to do that just to, for the yeah. sake of, of listening. So um, for listening, this might be a long episode. This is going to be a heck of a long so episode. So buckle up. And uh, put keep your arms and legs inside the roller coaster, and do not let them out at any time. Yeah, if you're on a roller coaster, you're listening to the podcast. <laughs> that is awesome. So thank you for yeah. doing that. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna. This is gonna be a bumpy ride though, so don't let your arms fling out because there are there dangers on yeah. the outside of the yeah. park. So, uh, devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So keep your limbs attached. All right, let's go. So Hebrews chapter four. 
Uh, the author here, I'm just, um, I was going to give the author a name. I was going to say X, but that's kind of lame. So yeah. the author here, uh, they start out in Hebrews chapter 4. They say, God's promise of heaven still stands. And so what is that promise of heaven? Well, that promise of heaven is that we can find rest if we believe. And so mm-hmm. um, the author then goes on to say, we should tremble with fear that some of you, remember who the, uh, the audience is, is people that are thinking of abandoning the church, that don't have faith. He's saying, tremble with fear because some of you might fall, or sorry, might fail to experience it. So he's saying that some people among this church that are, that's in he, the, the, that the intended audience of Hebrews, right? He's saying mm-hmm. some of them are not going to be saved because they do not have the faith in Jesus Christ. And so he's saying, have fear because you won't experience heaven. That's just the very first verse. All right, next one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, God's rest or, or heaven is for those with faith is what he says. And so uh, I just kind of jumped ahead to kind of make sure to make, make that make more sense. But he goes on to say, I'm going to say he, but it might have been a she. We're just going to go with it. It. Uh, they. <laughs> Respect oh, the pronouns. Fine. 2021, yeah. whatever year it is. I don't yeah. know. Right. Um, so <laughs> let's see. What, what year was this written? I've got it right here. Um, it was written somewhere around 70 AD. Cool. Um, so somewhere around 30, 40 years after Jesus' death. Um, so Swag. then he go, goes on to say, only we who believe in Jesus can go to heaven. So, Codus, this goes right back to what you're talking about, how mm-hmm. uh, only, the only way to get to the Father, or sorry, only way to get, yeah, only get to the only way to get to the Father is through, Arms up. That's right. <laughs> keep him close, keep him close. Um, <laughs> write that down, write that down. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... Then he goes on to say, we know heaven is God's rest because on yes. day seven, God rested. So that's referencing uh, Genesis chapter one, the creation account, right? Or I guess it's also Genesis chapter two. I can't remember. But anyways, creation yeah, account. Yeah. Um, and so on day seven, God Genesis rested. Genesis two, yeah. Okay, thank you. Um, yeah, you're, you're, you know, Jared got me a Bible, guys. And let me tell you, this thing's fire. Like, okay, so did you get the same one? Did you get me the same one you have? Yeah. Yeah, so the things on the little side, little Bible verses, that is so neat. Yeah, yeah. So it shows the it shows. Uh, so like a lot of times in the New Testament, like Paul and even the author here, they'll reference the Old Testament yeah. because a lot of the Old Testament's like, of course, prophecy and stuff. And so mm-hmm. it'll just show the references of like what they're quoting. So and like, cool. stuff like that. It's super neat. Yeah. Like when we were going through Matthew and Matthew talks about all the prophecies being fulfilled, it showed all the verses that he was referring to. I thought you were just smart. No, I'm kidding. No, 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 no. No, I, uh, I'm just repeating the smartness of others. So, but uh, no, so where was I? Um, uh, oh, on the rest. Right. right. So on day seven, God rested. And so in verse six, it says, you know, I'm going to read it. Okay. I don't, because here's the thing is, I can interpret scripture, but that's not my job. I like the, what we do in this podcast is we kind of mm-hmm. summarize it for you and we give you nuggets of truth. But ultimately what it comes down to is each and every one of us need to read the Bible and we need to understand yeah. the words for ourselves. And so what I'm going to do is because this is where it will begin to get complicated. Um, I'm just going to read it and then you make it out however you want. And then if it's confusing, I'm going to make it out uh, to how it fits with the whole rest of scripture. Um, and we'll, we'll go from there. So verse six, chapter four, it starts out saying, so God's rest is there for people to enter. But those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So who's it referring to at this point? So this is referring to back in the Old Testament. Um, just a little, if you, just a, uh, I guess I told Codus before we started this podcast, it was about to get deep. So 
just to have a, a basic understanding of how things work. So we've talked about before how uh, in the Old Testament, Jews, they were under the Old Testament law, the law of the Torah. And so essentially what they had to do is uh, they had atonement periods. So what that means is they would have to go out, get an unblemished goat. They have to sacrifice it. Um, and then that would cleanse them of their sins until the next atonement period. So as soon as they left the sacrificial altar, if they sinned, they had the sins burdening them until the next atonement period. So it says that God's rest is for, uh, but there are some people, sorry, I was looking at my notes in the Bible also. So the good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. And so these individuals, they failed to enter this, um, Hebrews, uh, pause for a second. So Hebrews chapter four talks about two different kinds of rest and we'll get more into that than that in a second. Um, and so this first rest is the ones that, um, or sorry, the second rest, the special rest is what it's referred to. This is what it's talking about. These individuals who disobeyed God in the old Testament were unable to enter as this special rest. They had a, uh, a, a rest. It just wasn't a special rest. And so if they were of faith and so, to give a little, what I was going back to a second ago, to give a little bit of context of what happens when they died back in the Old Testament, there is this place called Sheol. Okay, so Sheol was a place of, um, is when they died, it was basically in Hades, which is essentially hell. But there is a, uh, there's like a hedge of a protection around it, and it was for people mm-hmm. of faith. And so that is where people of faith resided until Christ came. And so just, to, just so that you have that, that knowledge. So it says that, um, I'm going to go back and read it again just for understanding. So God's rest is there for people to enter, but those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So again, because between atonement periods, they disobeyed God, they had to go to this rest. So God set another time for entering his rest. And that time is today. Again, this now this is post Jesus. So it says that God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted. He says, and this is from Psalms 95 verses seven through eight. What David says, he says, Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. So mm-hmm. to clarify what the author is trying to say, they go on to prove their point with this. They say in verse eight, now, if Joshua had succeeded in giving them this rest. So in other words, if Joshua had succeeded in teaching them to obey Christ or sorry, to obey God, um, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. But because God spoke through David about another rest to come, that just goes to show that God is all-knowing also, but it just goes to show that there is a second rest. So in verse 9, it says there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. So what does that mean? What is this special rest? Well, the special rest is for people like you and me that when we die, we go to this heaven. So mm-hmm. similarly, um, and this isn't going to become a what happens after we die for all people of all eternity kind of podcast, so it definitely could. Um, but ultimately, the end goal is all of us will reside in heaven one day if we are saved, right? So let's keep it simple as possible because this, these next two chapters are already. So verse 9, so there's a special rest still waiting for the people of God. So that special rest is heaven, ultimately. And mm-hmm. so verse 10, for all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors just as God did after creating the world. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? That means that when we get to heaven we will find rest. It will be our seventh day. It will be like, just as God's seventh day of creation was rest. It will be our seventh day. It will be a time of rest for us. Yeah. And that, that doesn't mean that we're just like, you know, be like, like that. No, we're not sleeping in heaven. How'd that go? Uh, something like that. <laughs> Anyways. Um, 
No, because we know that in heaven we'll eat, we'll drink, we'll do all these things. So we will be mm-hmm. alive and awake in our new glorified bodies. Yeah. Um, so <sighs> then he goes on to say that if we disobey God, I keep saying he might be a she, but it's fine. If we disobey the author, if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fall. So this is again referencing, it says as the people did, or sorry, as the people of Israel did. And so again, keeping in mind the, the uh, intended audience here, so the intended audience is people that are thinking about leaving Christianity, going back to Judaism. And so Paul actually says, I believe it's in Romans, he says that if we follow the law of the Torah, then we are bound by the law of the Torah. And so what this, uh, the author is saying is if we disobey God, if as the people of Israel, if we follow the law of the Torah as the people of Israel did, then we will fall. Why? Because we are now bound by the law. And uh, as Paul also states, the purpose of the law is to show us our flaw. And so if the purpose of the law, which is the Old Testament, the law of the Torah, is to show us our flaw, then that means if it, if it shows us our flaw, then that means that there is no way to escape the, 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 uh, the chains that it binds us in. There is no – like if you think about how they were atoned, they had uh, very short atonement periods. And so like uh, they were cleansed of their sins for like the, the, as soon as they sacrificed the animal. And then as, like for the next atonement period, they were considered – because we sin like all the time, right? And so – they were considered blemished for that entire period between atonements. And so, again, I'll read what it says. It says, if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fall. So um, what does all that mean? It just means we are now covered by the grace covenant, which is because of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ dying and resurrecting establishes the grace covenant because Jesus Christ died for our sins. And so we are now able to receive grace. We are now able to receive mercy as the author here will talk about in this chapter and the next. Um, mm-hmm. And we are able to not be bound by the law like the Jews are. And so this is essentially a warning from the author to the people considering leaving Christianity, going back to Judaism, saying, look, you're going to fall just as they did if you go back to the law. So um, just a, a reminder. So if we walk in the light, according to first John chapter one, uh, verse seven, if we walk in the light, um, then we are saved all of our sins, past, present, future, right? So, um, and if we walk in the light, what that means is that we, it's belief that results in action, as I talked about at the beginning of the podcast. So our sins are covered all past, present, and future. And so, um, again, go look at first John chapter, uh, chapter one, if you want to look at that. So as I'm beginning to wrap up chapter four, obviously, if you're listening to this, like you can tell, like, this is like kind of thing. Um, so as I'm wrapping it up, he, uh, the author says, the word of God is alive and powerful. I love this part. Yeah, and I want to read this because it's much, like this is just too good for me not to read. <laughs> so verse 12 and 13, it says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit. Pause. God's word cuts Pause. between. Yeah. God's word cuts between soul and spirit. Hmm. Didn't even know you had a soul and a spirit, did you? So, and it says it, it cuts between joint and marrow. So, having a little bit of a anatomy and physiology, I guess, knowledge. So, joint and marrow. So, there's a very narrow gap between the joint and the marrow because in the bone, there's a little hollow. I guess in the hollow bones, of course, um, there's going to be marrow. And so, 
it will go it's it's basically fills the entire bone and so when a bone connects with another bone there's a, a joint there like uh, for example ball and socket like your hip or your shoulder okay. um and so when it says uh, between joint and marrow um it's essentially saying like about a millimeter so something really small okay mm. so um for all of you doctors out there, be like, okay, that's wrong. Okay, it's close enough being right. So <laughs> it's close enough to being right. So it goes on to say, um, verse twelve. Still, it exposes. This is still the word of God. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Yeah. Tell me, Codus, that when we read the Bible, like, does it not expose our thoughts and desires? Like, oh, does it, it does? Oh God yeah. Call you out many times when you're in the Bible. It'll convict you. Be like, hey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look what you look what you're reading. You feel that? Yeah. yeah. Your yeah. fault. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And in fact, in the very next chapter, which Codus is going to cover, it talks about getting called out. <laughs> yeah, it um, called, like it like a big part of it straight calls people out, and I love it. I'm glad yeah. to get sassy. Uh huh. They'd be drinking milk, don't they? <laughs> um, <laughs> Someone that's so, never heard that chapter is probably like, what? Yeah, what is, is it? Is it a sin to drink milk? No, no, no. That's not what we're saying. <laughs> um, <laughs> So it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. The word of God does. And so it makes us feel convicted. How do we feel convicted? Well, the Holy Spirit within us, when we read the Bible, it kind of helps. But anyways, side note. um, So nothing, verse 13, nothing in all creation is hidden from God. What's that mean? When that means when you go to the bathroom and close the door and you, you look at stuff at your phone, it also means that when you uh, turn your phone off or when you go to your neighbor's house, this is like, so like movie like style, but uh, adultery with your neighbor kind of thing. It means that everything behind closed doors, God knows. In fact, there's a verse, I, I forget where it's at. Um, it says that all things will come to the light. All lies will be brought to the light. And so it does not matter what you think you can get away with. God knows, and it says that nothing in all creation is hidden from God. That means, what does that mean? Okay, well, that means for you, that means we'll quit doing what you're doing because God sees you. But also it means that you need not, this is just me, you know, side tangent. You need not worry about what the person next to you is doing if they are refusing to accept your account, uh, accountability. So what, what do I mean by that? So, okay, this is going to be a, a, maybe a judgmental thing, but Southern Baptist churches, I'm ragging on them because I, I'm <laughs> from a Southern Baptist church. Gossip galore. Friendly okay. fire. It is friendly fire. But and I'm sure it's everywhere. Gossip galore, right? And so why do you – and this is just speaking generically, not at you, Codus. Why do you or why do, why do we take responsibility for somebody else's actions and feel the need to spread it to somebody else? Mm-hmm. Because if God knows it, then why do we need to spread it? Mm-hmm. Why do we need to talk about it? Anyways, just a side thought. So quit your gossiping, people. So nothing yeah, in Jared's all Jared's going to come and get you. Yeah. <laughs> Throw the Bible at you. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. So why do you think, Codus, why do you think it uses the description, everything is naked and exposed before his eyes? Because he sees everything. He sees through all your little lies that you've mm-hmm. hidden away. He sees it all. Yeah, absolutely. We, dude, and uh, I think of thieves. When they go in the store, they'll, they'll hide, like, clothes or like, whatever they're trying to steal, like, in their clothes. You know, like, they'll put it in pockets. Yeah. They'll hide it. We have nothing. If we have no clothes on, we have absolutely nothing to hide what we have, what we carry. If we're carrying something, there's no way to hide it because we have no clothes. 
And so when it says everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, we are vulnerable, shameful, and every other kind of fool. And, Mm -hmm. and all of the minimalistic glory that we have. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's a couple of jokes Uh, we made there, but um, there's, you ever heard of like the quote for integrity? What do you do when nobody's looking? Yes. I've always said to myself, well, isn't God always looking? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And no, absolutely. Yeah. And that's uh, that's an even better way to think of integrity because if we know that God is always looking, then maybe we'll act better. Because yeah. some people think, oh, well, if, if nobody's looking, then like I can do whatever I want. But that's not the case. Yeah. If we know that God is looking despite nobody being around, then we'll act better in all situations, not just when people are around. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it goes on to say, and he is the, the one to whom we are accountable. So what does that mean? It means that we are held accountable to God. So in other words, we are judged by God in all of our shame because we are naked in front of him. Um, I think this is uh, metaphorically, symbolically, whatever it is. Um, I don't know that we necessarily stand naked on judgment day. Who knows? We might. I do. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Hey. hey I'm, a, I'm a hippie, man. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, just show it all, bro. Yeah, he's seen it he all. He sees anyway. it anyways, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, and then, so it goes on to say that Jesus um, faced every temptation that we have ever faced. And so this mm-hmm. is going back to what I talked about at the very beginning, how the author of Hebrews is going to now begin to show how Jesus is human. And at CODIS, I'm kind of setting up your chapter here. Um, Jesus faced all temptations that we faced. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet he remained without sin. So it says, let us come boldly to God's throne is what the author says. So because Jesus remained sinless and yet he was still able to be human because he was able to abstain from sin, let us come boldly to God's throne. So oh, let us come. I, I wonder what he got really quiet. <laughs> I was like, oh, am I supposed to say something? No, no. <laughs> so it says, let us come boldly to God's throne because Jesus, uh, his sacrifice covers us. Go boldly to God's throne and then we will receive his grace and mercy to help us when we need it most. So when we need it most, what, at what point do we need it most? We need it most standing before God after we die at the moment of salvation that it occurs. Of course, we, when we believe, it enables the gift of salvation, but that gift is not open after death. Um, so we receive his grace and mercy to help us when we need it most. And that is standing before God with our sins laid out on the table because he is the one who holds us accountable. And, and that's Hebrews chapter 4. Tell me that's not a lot. That is a lot more than it looks like. Yeah. Because it looks like a small chapter, but if you actually like read it and dig deep, it's more. Yeah. So keeping all that in mind, let's just dive into Hebrews chapter 5. That way I don't have to go through the entire 10-minute right. spiel uh, at the beginning. Well, Hebrews 5 pretty much starts off by hyping up pastors or, or like priests. It says, every high priest is a man choosing to represent other people in their dealings with God. And um, I first want to point out, which we'll get into that a little bit more in a second, but it says uh, every high priest is a man chosen to represent. So kind of remember that. Keep that fresh in your mind that they're chosen. I want to – I got to interject real quick. All right, please do. So with how – sorry. With how chapter 4 ended, it's setting Mm -hmm. up Jesus being human. And so – he goes. He starts out by saying that Jesus is our high priest, and then he explains mm-hmm. what a high priest is. I probably should clarify that. Yeah. So he he shows what, or the author shows what a high priest is, so that we can understand 
how Jesus is our high priest. Mm-hmm. So um, keep going. So now, yes, uh, what Jared said. And then it says that he presents their gifts to God and offers sacrifices for their sins. And what did Jesus do? Offer a sacrifice for our sins. And it says that he is also able to deal gently with ignorant and wayward people because mm. he himself is subject to the same weaknesses. Mm. Jesus is human. Pastors are human. Right there. It says, I mean, and I like how it says deals gently with the mm. ignorant and wayward people. Good like, Because, I mean, me and my psychology teacher were talking about this. Like, a lot of Christians are, like, they're judgmental and they're rude and they're bitter. Oh, yeah. But, oh, see, yeah. we have to be like Jesus. We have to be kind and gentle even jesus while he was being killed on that cross he said father forgive them for they do not know what they do like mm. i don't know about you but if people are killing me i'm not gonna be so like god can you please forgive them that's not gonna be like my first thing that comes to my mind yeah be like yeah. oh god why would why would they do something about this but mm-hmm. no jesus was like father forgive them and like that, that mm. that's big right there yeah it is so it, it shows jesus is human because it talks about that he suffers the same weaknesses or, or stuff like we as humans would. And it says, and no other can become a high priest simply because he wants such an honor. Mm. You know, he must be called by God for his work. Mm. You know, and it says just as Aaron was. So Aaron was a figure in the Bible. I'm not too educated on who that is. Do you, are you? He was a high priest. All right. Well, Aaron was a high priest. I love that name, Aaron. But anyway... So that priest, uh, I, I stopped at a weird time. Anyway, it says, no, he was chosen by God who said to him, you are my son. Today I have become your father. And so this is God talking to Jesus. Uh, and it says, and in another passage, it says to him, you are a priest forever in order of the, now this is going to mm-hmm. be fun, mm-hmm. uh, the Melchizedek. Yeah, something like that. I don't, um, it's. It, it's it's pronounced how you how you pronounced it, Melchizedek. But we're just Melchizedek. We're, we're just gonna call him Melch. Melch. All right. So you're a priest forever in order of Melch. And then um, I put my notes to kind of read uh, five seven five eight the footnotes here because this part gets a little confusing for me mm-hmm. a little bit. So I'm gonna kind of read what the little Bible you got me says, unless you okay. want to say something. Yeah, I've got something. You go first there. All right. So I'm going to read this little bit here. It says, so Jesus experienced great agony as he prepared to face death. Uh, Although he cried out to God asking to be delivered, he was prepared to suffer humiliation, separation from his father, and death in order to do God's will. And I want to stop right there real quick. And such a cool thing about Jesus. Like, I I love this part. This is kind of like a not talked about part, but it kind of is. But Jesus still said, Father, if it is in your will, or, or Father, if you can, let this cup pass for me. But if it, if it, but if it is in your will, let it stay. Like, mm. he, he didn't want to do that. That's proof right there. He's human. Yeah. He didn't want to do that stuff. Like, he knows he's going to die, and that is going to suck. But he said, Father, if it is in your will, then let it stay. Like, mm. that's a big thing right there. Yeah. He knew he was going to die, but he was saying, God, if it's in your will. Let it happen. Let me do it. Mm-hmm. That's a big thing right there. That's, that's, that's really awesome to me. Yeah. And then it goes on to say, at times we will undergo trials, not because we want to suffer, but because we want to submit to God's will. Let Jesus's example of obedience sustain and encourage you in times of trial. You will be able to face anything if you know that Jesus stands with you. And then the next part, it says, 
Jesus's human life was not a script that was passively followed. He chose his life freely. It was a continuous process of making the will of God the Father his own. Jesus chose to obey, even though submissions led to his suffering and death. By his obedience, Jesus will not gain new character traits that he had lacked before. Rather, his experiences bought or brought him more empathy with our human condition. No mm. one understands us like Jesus. Exactly. I, I want to kind of go back to the, uh, the Melch, the Melchizedek thing. <laughs> yeah, whatever it is. So Melchizedek is a very interesting character, and we're going to talk about oh, him more person. and more. Yeah, um, we're going to talk about him more and more. Uh, and that's why this is such an interesting chapter is because mm-hmm. of who Melchizedek or Melch is, right? Um, and so, well, let's just go to the very beginning. So we first see Melch um, in Genesis chapter, I believe it's 14. And so this is uh, Abram, which is Abraham before he gets his name changed, Abram, um, and encounters Melch um, on during his travels. And so, in fact, we're going to start at Abr- uh, Genesis chapter 14, chapter 17. Uh, sorry, chapter 14, verse 17. After Abram returned to his victory over Kedorlomer, let's ignore that, and all his allies, <laughs> uh, the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Shaveh, that is the king's valley, and Melch, or Melchizedek, <laughs> the king of Salem, and a priest of God most high. So Melch, okay, so keep in mind that Abraham, uh, or Abram at this time, there's not many people that believe in Abraham's God at this point. Right. Because like only a, a few generations before was Noah. So like just keep yes. that just keep that in mind. And so and Melch, the king of Salem, um, and a priest of God most high, brought Abram Abram some bread and wine. So Abram encountered Melch, who was a priest of God most high. So that's interesting. Because then, uh, or let's just keep going for a second. Melch blessed Abram with this blessing. And Melch said to Abram, Blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has defeated your enemies for you. So, this is why it's interesting. Is because Melch, despite not being a descendant. So, despite not being a Jew. Keep keep that in mind. Because Mm -hmm. Melch is not a descendant of Noah. Or obviously, uh, he is at some point along the lines, but um, he is not a descendant of Judaism. Okay, Melch isn't. But yet he is a priest of the order of the Most High. Um, and so, or he's a Most High priest. Why is this important? Because it goes to show that belief is by faith and not by genealogy. Mm-hmm. So we're not saved by our Father. We are saved by our faith. And so Melch, a high priest, order of the Most High, by God of the Most High, or let me reread re-read what it exactly says. Priest of God Most High is what it says. Um, became that despite not being a descendant of somebody, quote unquote, important. So now going back to the, the whole Melch thing. Um, so they're going back to Hebrews chapter five. So God, the father appointed Jesus in the order of Melch. Why is that? Like, what does that mean? Because God the Father heard Jesus' pleas and prayers regarding death, uh, like Coach was talking about because of Jesus' reverence for God. Um, I, where was I at? Oh, Jesus became a priest in the order of Melchizedek. So it just goes to show that Jesus was made a priest not because of um, 
not because of his father, not because of God, but because of his human. Because, okay, so this is, this is the point I'm trying to make. So remember how I said that um, this chapter is referencing the humanity of Jesus? Yeah. So not only was Jesus God, and that's why he had to, to sacrifice or be sacrificed on the cross, but God also, in the order of Melch, Michel's, I feel weird saying Melch, uh, in the order of Melchizedek, um, enabled Jesus to be worthy of sacrifice for his humanity. Not just because he was God, but for his humanity that, that Jesus had. Mm. So wanted to clarify that. And then, of course, um, Codus, as you talked about, um, when Jesus was pleading in prayers uh, regarding his death. But it says that God heard Jesus' prayers because of Jesus' reverence for God. So mm-hmm. again, this is talking about Jesus' humanity. Um, and because Jesus had a reverence for God, God heard him. Likewise, for us, since we're supposed to imitate Christ— um, if we have a reverence for God, what does that mean? It means a, of utmost respect. It means like like value, sacred. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we have that kind of thoughts towards God, then he can hear our prayers. Just a side thought. But keep going. All right. So this work gets sassy. And this is where I believe it was written by a lady. Okay. So uh, now Hebrews 5, 11, All right. It gets a little sassy here. And the, the title is Problem with immaturity it says we have a great deal to say about this and it's difficult to explain since you have become too lazy to understand and obviously i'll read it in the ni uh nlt uh but it's a little easier but it says there's such more we would like to say about this but it's difficult to explain since you have become spiritually dull and don't seem to listen it says you have been believers so long that now you have ought to be teaching others instead you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. So let's let's stop there and talk about that. You've been, it talks about that you've been a believer for so long that you should be teaching other people's word. But yet you sit in church and just kind of take it all in. You don't actually go out and – because we're called to make disciples of all nations pretty much. We're called to go make disciples. We're called to bring people to Christ. But the problem is you see this nowadays – a lot of people they'll go to church and they'll go home. You know, uh, at my church, at the, we out on the door. If you're walking out on the top of it, it says you are now entering your mission field. And see, that is really that's really true right there. Like, mm-hmm. think of the church as a pit stop. You gotta get a pit stop. You gotta get you know get your knowledge in and go back out there and get some more people. Bring them in. You know, get get back in that pit stop on the Sunday, maybe Wednesday. Get back out there and make more disciples. Like you are so like. You shouldn't be eating the milk. You should be eating whole foods. You're not a baby anymore. Go be making disciples. Go be don't don't just don't just be taught, but teach. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's a very big thing right there. Jared, yep. you got anything to say about that? About that or the chapter? Just about that little part there. Uh, I mean, yeah, absolutely. And then like he, uh, the author goes in to talk more about this in like the next yeah. chapter. Uh, I'll get there in a sec. But I mean, are we going over chapter six too? No, no. Did you want to go over six? No, no, no. My thought was just because the 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 author goes into more detail about like the difference between like solid food and stuff. Well, yeah, I, I was about to finish, but I was just saying if you have any thoughts about that. Oh, no, no, thing. no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go, keep going. Oh, yeah. So, so the last part it ends up here says solid food is for those who are mature, who are training and have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. And so, I kind of want to. Stop right there and talk about the little the word training. So 
I, I did a little thing not too long ago. It was a, a sermon. I was listening to Craig Groeschel, an awesome pastor. I love listening to him. But it was a whole thing about the Corinthians and the training. Let me try to find it here. Uh, a little, a lot. It talked about how a lot of people, you know, for New Year's rev- resolutions, they try and go work out. You know, they, mm. they, they try and go read their Bible every day. They try to this and that. When instead of trying, we need to train. And so, mm. let me find it here. But I have the, I, I have a big old thing. But I can't find it. Um. Anyway, the difference between trying and training is training. It, it takes work to train. Like it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not something that just happens. You have to work to train. So training is getting better at something with effort pretty much. And so trying, mm. it's not a guarantee. Like, oh, I'll try and read my Bible. You know, like you're not fully into it. You're not all into it. You're, you're trying. But training, you are all into training. When an athlete is training, they are giving it their all. When, when you're training to do something, you are giving your all. You're, you're into it. And if you say you're training, you're more likely to be all into it. So instead of trying to do all this stuff with your Bible, train to do it, you know? So I kind of want to just go that. It says, who, are, who, though, tra- or who though training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong? Um, but, yeah, that's – speak away, Jared. Mm-hmm. Okay. I so, lost where I was, and so – No, no, go. you're good. And so while we're talking about, like, the, the, the milk and the solid food kind of thing – so, mm-hmm. again, referring back to the original audience, they are thinking about leaving Christianity, going back to Judaism. And so this, this, uh, the author says, look, you are spiritually dull. This is verse 11. You are spiritually dull um, since you don't listen. <laughs> um, and so why are they not listening or what are they not listening to? They are not listening to Je- or the, the facts of Jesus and trying to understand Jesus. And so they're spiritually dull. And so in order to be spiritually sharp, what do we have to do? Not only do we have to understand Jesus, but we have to understand scripture. And so because they were kind of lacking on that, that first part, they're spiritually dull. But I do think, um, I, I think I skipped this a second ago, but so this chapter is only like 14 verses. And so back at verse eight, it says, even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things that he suffered, which Codus, I think you mm-hmm. talked about for a second. Um, so why th- that just that stuck out to me like a sore thumb on a, a I don't know like a winter's day or something when you're bumping it everywhere like <laughs> it, it's it stuck out that bad to me um, and so this perfect obedience this is what he goes on mm-hmm. uh, the author goes on to explain afterwards this perfect obedience that Jesus did um, because he was perfect qualified Jesus okay remember because of the intended audience um, this is this is the author's way of making sense of it right here. This perfect obedience qualified Jesus to be the perfect high priest and became the source of eternal salvation for all of those who obey him. So what does that mean? Well, Jesus saves you if you obey him. So in other words, Mm -hmm. um, you say, oh, Jerry, that's works-based salvation. No, it's not. Because, again, going back to what we said before, um, belief results in action. Belief results in action. Um, according to James chapter two, it results in good works. According to First uh, John, it says that uh, your actions show that you belong to the truth. And then finally, Jesus Himself says that if you obey, uh, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Yes. So when it says that if you obey Him, well, it's obeying Him to keep His commandments. So you have to show that you love Him. If if you love somebody, for example, if I if I say I love my wife, but I don't do anything to show it, would you actually think I love my wife? No. No, like it, it takes act, actions 
are speak louder than words. So (laughs) because of that, we show our faith or I show my love to my wife by my actions. Similarly, we show our love for Christ by obeying his commandments. We Mm -hmm. show our faith through our actions. Maybe that'll make sense to somebody who needed it to make sense. Um, And so what does all that mean? It means because um, in order for somebody to be a appointed priest back in the day, back in the Old Testament, they had to be appointed priest in the order of Melch and Melchizedek, right? Mm-hmm. And so the author of Hebrews here wrapped it all up in a perfect little gift, said not only does G- Jesus have to be God and man to suffice for your sins, but he is that, and he did do that so long as you have faith and so long as you believe in him. And they wrapped it all up in a nice little gift and presented it to this intended audience. And I, who knows? I'm sure some people, because they're spiritually dull, I'm sure they ignored it. They didn't listen. Um, oh, yeah. But because that's just how it is today. And I'm sure it's nothing new under the sun, as Solomon says. So I'm sure they didn't listen <laughs> yeah. like, like people today don't listen. Um, but that was my, my, my thought. Um, so, yeah. Awesome. Is, 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 that, uh, is that all that you've got for the chapter? Yeah, that that's that's all I I got really. Okay, so uh, you got something? I'll I'll wrap it up. So, huh? if you listen to this and your mind is boggled, mine too. Okay. Um, no, I had I had to pray. I was like, God, I need you to give me some understanding here. Um, because when I was reading through it, it was very. I mean, I was talking to Codus like it was difficult to understand. So I was studying yeah. it there for a solid while, um, more so than I, I usually do, and uh, so thankfully. I hope it was presented in such a way that makes sense. I think it was. Um, if not, just reach out to us on Instagram. Um, but if you've heard this and you realize that maybe you're not obeying God, maybe you're reverting back to your old ways, similarly to how these Jews were reverting back to their old ways, or these Jewish Christians um, and their, their parents and such. Um, maybe you're recognizing that you lack faith. Maybe you're recognizing that you lack that belief. Maybe it's belief that is simply belief. In James chapter 2, it says that even the demons believe. So we as Christians, we must have belief that results in works, that belief that results in action. Um, Because again, actions speak loud in the words, and that's how we show our belief. That's how we show our love. So if maybe you feel convicted by this and and, uh, you want to say, God, give me another shot, because you feel like you've never actually given it a shot, uh, a true uh, a true attempt. And now you're like, you know what? This is it. This is where I want to change my life. This is where I want to start over anew. And I want to start new with you, God. Um, Codus has a prayer for you. All right, repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Please forgive me and to come into my life. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Now, please help me to live the rest of this life for you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, with all of that being said, I love you. Codus loves you. God loves you. Godspeed.